It's time to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. Last week, I discussed my journey from injury to amputation. And like I said, the medical staff that you surround yourself with is vitally important to your success. So today I'm joined with a special guest, my PT that I spoke about in my first episode, the one who um, saw me at my knee revision and walked me all the way through to amputation. So Dr. Sean Palmer, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. It is good to have you here and to have you on this different forum than we normally talk. Usually I'm telling you about aches and pains. Um, Hey, why don't you start out right now and just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your degree and and how long you've been doing um, physical therapy. Yeah, so I have my Bachelor's of Science in Athletic Training and I have my doctorate in Physical Therapy. I've been a physical therapist since 2010. Um, in that time, working in uh, various sports and orthopedic clinics, I've worked with professional teams uh, like the Oakland Raiders. I worked with the Milwaukee Brewers, both both as an athletic trainer and a physical therapist. Um, and then for several years, went into just general sports and orthopedic clinics. Um, the most recent clinic I've been in for the last four years, um, and the one where where we walked through most of our time together, was in a pain management company where I directed the physical therapy program. Uh, during that time also, um, and the reason that we that we first came into contact was uh, the physician who sent you to me um, sends me as difficult cases, because uh, especially with total knees, I've rehabbed probably hundreds in my career so far, um, and he knows that I think out of the box when it comes to... Um, rehabbing total knee replacements and uh, getting results with some of the more difficult cases and enter you in my clinic one day coming as, <laughs> as one of those difficult cases. Yeah. You know, it would be really interesting to hear your side of that day. Cause um, I remember talking to my doctor and he suggested going to you for physical therapy. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go interview this guy <laughs> Because I've been doing this for several years now. I am a difficult case. So when I came in, tell me a little bit about that uh, first meeting the two of us had. Well, first off, there's probably only one or two patients in my career that have actually walked in just to interview me before actually being seen. And you were you were one of them. Um, I remember you coming in with your boys. And I think they sat in the lobby doing homework. And, uh, and you're telling me about the, the procedure you were about to have and uh, get an idea of what the timeline was going to be at that time. So that was before, uh, before your revision with him. And I think they were doing a balloon, um, oh, that's right. like a stretching of the skin at that point. And you were just about to have that, that put in. And you wanted to know why you were coming to me. I did. I think I actually asked you, what would you do differently that... I hadn't already had done to me because I had think I'd spent three years possibly with a different PT. Mm-hmm. So I have long histories of long histories with PTs. So I wanted to know what you brought to the table that was different. People are usually skeptical when they walk into my office. <laughs> yeah, you're not the first person that, that 
that that wondered why they're coming to me instead. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yeah, and it had to be something that there was that this doctor had seen that was different in you, and he he confided in you on his patients. I'm persistent. Oh, that you are. I can attend patients, <laughs> even until they lose a leg, <laughs> which doesn't happen often. I'm assuming. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not happen often. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry to say, or I'm grateful to say, I guess. True. But you and I talked about this, and this this was a good, it really is a partnership. One of the things I have talked about with people that are going through some of this is advocating for yourself and surrounding yourself with the right medical team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all seriousness here that um, that interview really, um, body language, the way you were able to discuss with me like I was not somebody below you, but someone that was on that same level because my care was also in my hands, especially when I wasn't with you. I had to do follow through, which we know I had a hard time with icing, but that's another story. You have to be, you have to be your own advocate, especially thrown in the medical system. Um, You know, our jobs are also to be the patient advocate, but let's be honest, that doesn't always happen. Um, I wish I could tell you that with every doctor, every nurse, every physical therapist, every everything that that we are all being your advocates, and they're for the most part, I want to say that happens, but it's it's too easy with the the busy schedules to to lose sight of some things and to not be able to put every little bit of effort into every case. Um, I don't know how else yeah. to say that. Um, just kind of being honest that way. So it's important for for the patient to be their own advocate and make sure they're choosing a team that they can can trust. And if they don't trust that that team, to walk out of the office. Um, you know, and it's it's happened on my end too that I've had to have those conversations with people that when I saw that that developing that maybe they didn't have full trust and and um, and I understand that they got burned by someone in the past. And I've had to have those talks with people to say if you don't trust me you need to leave. But if you're going to be here for treatment, you trust what I say. Um, Cause we can't really have this relationship if you can't do that. Very true. And actually you kind of took it to the nth degree because something I'll never forget is two separate doctors that you sent me to where you insisted on meeting me at the appointment. Okay. Like that's, I'm sorry, that's totally unheard of, folks. That doesn't happen. So you get a PT that does that, you don't let, you don't let go. Um, because they can go, as everybody knows, if you've been to a doctor's appointment, there's a million questions to ask. Sometimes when you get told tough stuff, you forget some of those questions. Um, sometimes you speak emotionally as a patient, whereas you came along and you were the medical mind to it. And this is what I saw. This is what we've done. And I've done everything I can. We're looking at what this is, X, Y, Z. And that's stuff I, I, I know in my head, but I can't articulate like you could. And so that was mm-hmm. powerful. For me, that was powerful. That, that told me that I wasn't just a patient that was, came at 1 o'clock and left at 2 and was done. So that was, that's amazing. People, there, there are people out there like that. Sean's one of them. Um. So what types of treatments did you end up using on me when it came to, you said I got a bubble in. That's one thing I never actually told anybody on that first episode because I totally forgot about that. Um, basically, they, a plastic surgeon put a bubble in my leg that got um, 
injected with fluids every week to stretch my skin over my knee, <laughs> which was just the weirdest thing. And uh, they wanted to make sure there was enough skin to close up completely once he did a new revision because they were going to have to open up even larger for a revision. So, yeah, that was gross. Um, but we did it. And you're still the only time I've ever seen that. I know, right? Yeah, that's kind of an odd thing. But I can say I did it. One thing I can just put on my bucket list is being done. Um, so I came in after my knee revision. We knew that my problem was that I scarred fast. Was there anything knowing that and knowing what my treatments had been before? What kind of things did you do with me? And was there anything in those treatments that were maybe different or more aggressive or anything that, that was different from other patients for knee replacements? Um, trying to think back to the earliest treatments. I think the easiest, the easiest question to answer would probably be what treatments did we not try with you? Uh, okay. We exhausted everything we absolutely could over time. I think the way that, that I see total knees and I, the reason that physician sent it to me is how I, I how I break down the structures that can be holding back motion. Um, so I went through my process of um, making sure the joint was moving like it should, making sure the swelling was, was going down appropriately, making sure the muscles were, um, the muscles had the, the appropriate flexibility around them. And, and then after that, you know, in these cases like you, I delay st strengthening toward a little bit later. So I make sure that there's nothing that can irritate the joint and set us back at all, especially with, with, like I said, patients like you that, that are coming in a little behind the eight ball anyway, and there's not any room for going backwards on motion once we gain it. Um, so I think that's the, the early tactic I took with you is making sure that we were carefully getting range of motion early and then keeping it at certain levels and doing everything we could to make sure it's not going backwards, which did not always work. Actually did not ever work. <laughs> I still, I still remember two vivid moments. One moment was measuring me at 120 degrees and I was like, oh my gosh, we're doing it. Obviously that didn't last. You were the first patient and, and I forgot that I, I, I made this mental note that, that you were the first patient I've ever gotten to that point. Actually, you're the only patient I've ever gotten to that point of especially like a 120 and then came off of it and started heading back the other way. And with you, I was just racking my brain thinking, why is this happening? There is no reason. She's not being treated different than any other case. What is happening? And um, I want to say that first one, we got above 120 and then it went down to like 100 or something like that. Maybe even further down than that. Further than. Um, and then each surgery after that, we would get up to, you know, some point, let's say a hundred was the best and then start sinking down to mm -hmm. 70, 80, whatever. Yeah. Um, until we finally got to the point where at the last surgery, I think he got 95 or a hundred while you were under. Uh -huh. Um, he actually, he even sent the picture with the goniometer up next to it. I remember that picture just to, just yeah. to prove to me that he could get that motion out of it. And yeah. I think your final measurement was somewhere like 65 degrees flexion we could get with you um yeah. which just wasn't enough to 
to, to do all the activities that you wanted to do and that you needed no. to do. No, there was nothing you can do with that, especially when you can't straighten. And that's that was the other aspect of it, right? And when I yeah. went to see one of the doctors about amputation, they measured me about 45 degrees. Yep. <laughs> 20 degrees <Yep>. straight <laughs> and 45 degree bed. I mean, it was, it was sad. Is there, was there a, ever a moment? Um, so, okay. So listeners, you have to understand that there's some things that I'm going to ask him that he's never been able to tell me as a patient that I'm, I'm so, really hoping to uncover for this. <laughs> but before, like, before is, we actually go down, <laughs> hold on. Before we go down that road, I want to back up and say, wait, in asking for, for what treatments you had, like, I want to point out that you had, you had true multimodal care in, in dealing with pain management as well. Since partway through the treatment, I switched over to, to this pain management company. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you had a spinal cord stimulator to help, to help deal with the pain and see if we could get pain down that way. Um, mm -hmm. didn't you have multiple blocks? Uh, I had spinal blocks. blocks. Then she, I had cryotherapy. <laughs> we, we did everything outside of the normal course of treatment yeah. to see if we could get around, uh, around the pain. Um, to be able to regain motion. Um, so I just need to throw that in there with, it wasn't just about yeah. the modalities the things that I did with no. you on the table. We had other good providers looking at this, doing the best things, high level procedures that they could um, yeah. to try to get you out of pain. Very Sorry, much I had to so. interrupt uh, with that. Cause no, that's, I'm glad cause you did. Part of that story. It is. And, and the fact is, is that I had to go outside at times too, outside of the pain management. And I, maybe before you went to a pain management area, I had even gone to a holistic doctor. <laughs> that didn't work. <laughs> they gave you some herbs. Uh, I got herbs and I got, I got spray on colloidal uh, silver. Oh, and then no. I found out it could turn your leg green. And I was a little concerned about having a very fat, swollen, non-working green leg. Yeah. <laughs> which i mean it wasn't <laughs> it didn't look good anyways i really didn't eat green <laughs> so yeah and then like i said you guys had the cryotherapy there um we did dry needling like there was times when there was 30 needles stuck in my leg <laughs> i think that was my max that day we had to get a picture because that was pretty impressive so tell me was there a time when you said this isn't going the right way and i don't think that there's any other options did you ever think of amputation before I talked about it? Um, if I ever thought about it, yes. Um, not ever getting to that point with anyone or getting anywhere near. It obviously wasn't something in my mind that's like, oh, yeah, you're getting to that point. Here it comes. You know, if we can't get to this point by this date. But that question at some points did linger. Like, if this is the best that we're going to get, what is the next step? What does that look like? Especially knowing that you weren't able to do the things that you wanted to do. Um, you know, I remember vividly you, you tell me about, you know, this is the point where you and your husband were looking forward to going skiing you know, more often. And you had kids that were, that were in high school act, uh, active athletes and wanting to do things with them and, and looking at saying, if this is going to hold you back, if the leg is no longer capable of that, where, where do we go from there? You know, we're not just going to tell you, well, sorry, you got to deal with it. Um, right. 
a lot of people probably would say that. Um, in my mind, the question started coming up as a couple different things of one, what motion can we get you? Two, can we at least make that motion comfortable? Um, because I think there, you might have a different answer for how you want to move forward. At least if you, if it was comfortable to have you know X amount of motion, um, that's a different category than if it's just crazy pain and you still don't have the, the range of motion you want. But then when we couldn't accomplish either of those, we didn't have a functional range of motion. You were always in pain. And then the thing that really, that really was the last try. I know was the last thing that, that you wrestled through was was going on um, the international trip and having blood clots, and to where you knew it was it was a danger to your life at that point. Yeah. Um, definitely after that trip, and as we realized that that <laughs> blood clot, you know what what that really came from, and seeing that 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 was the future, like there wasn't a way to get around stuff like that. Um, anymore I think that's in the point that thankfully you came to the conclusion at that point too but that's where it became a little more apparent to me that I'm not sure we have another road to go down yeah. um, and I'm sure there, there there were days that I kind of wrestled through is it even my place to, to say anything about that to you or not mm-hmm. um, or is it just my place to still work my butt off and try to figure out what other avenue there could be um, you know, I could work with any other trick that I can figure out. Um, but yeah. thankfully that, that was the point where I mean, you realized after that too, that if it's not worth endangering your life. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's true. I mean, we came back from that trip and I realized what could have happened on that flight with a blood clot is, you know, I can't imagine like dying in front of my family with nobody be able to help mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. so going back, it's interesting because I, I believe, um, the interviewing you at the very beginning, I kind of got a sense that we kind of ran on the same path. And the f- fact was we don't give up easy and we'll fight for whatever. Cause there were, there were definitely moments where I remember coming into PT going, he's just going to tell me there's nothing he can do. And he's just going to be like, you need to just move on. And I should have known you better at that stage because that's probably about two years into our relationship, which it, it definitely became a relationship there because you'd see me through the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, when people see you at your worst, you kind of, yeah, there's there's a friendship that grows. But um, why didn't you ever just, how did you not give up? I think my philosophy has always been if I have if I have a fighter on the table, it's not going to give up themselves. I'm not going to give up on them. Um, I don't want to say I've ever given up on people, but when, when you have someone in front of you that, you know, they're not putting in the work, you know, that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they don't really want to get better. That's one thing. And and I've had those conversations with people that say, mm-hmm. you know, you're just not making it here. I, I don't think the PT is the road for you. And that's, that is the exact opposite of you. Um, you know, no matter how much pain I put you through, you, you came in the next, the next day and said, can I have another? And, you know, we, we gave you the bite stick and we, you know, we, we cranked it back and did it as much as we could. Um, you know, no matter how many times we tried to, to elicit bruising with, with cups and we just couldn't do it. And we tried again and you let us try again. Um, you know, so, so seeing how, how much you wanted 
you know, the things in life that you were working for, um, if you were willing to keep, keep fighting after it, I wasn't going to tell you no. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's what, that's what goals look like. <laughs> I had goals set and I thought for sure, well, you know, you go through something like this and you're like, okay, I kick someone in karate. Come on now. We're, we're over this. It's, it's been, you know, four years, five years. Let's, let's move on. Let's get back to healing and health and, and everything. And, and never in my wildest dreams would I ever have thought that this was a path that's going to happen for me. Um, so have you ever had a patient get to this point where they have given everything you've given everything and either you've had to part ways because nothing else has happened for them or they've had to go to this drastic extreme like I had to. So you're the only one that's gotten to this drastic extreme. I've probably had a couple that, that, you know, we've also had to have the talk of this just isn't, you know, we're working here. Usually if I'm going to have those talks with someone, it's directing them toward another specialty that I think is, is right and connecting them with whatever um, other physician or whatever is that, uh, that I think is the road to go for them. And, and that's, that's a much easier conversation because at least you're showing you have the path and understanding of where they should go. Um, you know, where that conversation with you is, was a bit different. And that's the only time I've ever had to, had to face um, that type of situation. And again, that's another sign of um, a good practitioner, because if you remember, I was with another PT through the first few, several surgeries I think I was with him for about three years. And when he saw that I was going for the revision, he said, listen, if this doctor has a PT that will work well with him, I want you to go. Not that I don't want you here, but he goes, I've exhausted everything I can on you. I have no more eyes. I've asked the questions I've researched and I just want better for you. And that was hard because, you know, like I said, you build a relationship. I'm a relationship person. So if I'm spending three years with people that have seen me cry and and laugh and sob and lose hope and gain hope. That's a roller coaster that you only open up to certain people um, and show that, that rawness and to start over. That's the reason why I interviewed you because you had to be special enough (laughs) for me, which you proved to be, you didn't give up. You never gave up, which was, which was really cool. Now, do you remember the moment I can't, I can't even remember that moment, but I, I know the moment I came to the realization and that was in the ER when the pain management doctor sent me over to the ER and I was like, no, nah, it's not a blood clot. And they're like, oh yeah, it's a blood clot. And I was having a date with my husband that night and I remember just, and I don't do this. It sounds like I cry a lot, but I don't. <laughs> but I was in a restaurant with a glass of wine just sobbing when I had to let him know for the first time that there was a blood clot and I I think that was the, that was the, you know, straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Do you remember when I came in and told you that was my decision? And how did that make you feel when you realized that was it? I'm trying to think back to that exact conversation. Um, I think, like I said a little bit ago, uh, I was coming to that same conclusion about the same time that you were. And so I probably, I'm going to say this, I'm not quite sure how it's going to be received. In in some ways I was maybe a little bit relieved Um, because when you do have that idea coming in that you're saying, man, this is, 
this is not a road that a i'm gonna suggest if i am gonna suggest it's not gonna be lightly um you know as you start thinking how how do i even approach this topic in any way shape or form Mm. um but then to hearing that you'd already come to your conclusion that that's probably the best way forward I gotta say, probably relief was was one of the bigger things on my mind. Knowing that I, I wouldn't have, have had that reaction if I thought there was any way out of it, but I just didn't see. I didn't see another road. But then I also knew your personality that it was not going to stop you. <laughs> um, and I knew really that having the leg in the shape it was in was holding you back immensely from what you could do or would do. Um, So for you engaging your personality, it wasn't just about the leg. It it was about you as a person and knowing what it was doing to you and how it was changing your life. And knowing that that wasn't that you in the end were going to be much happier, much different person when, when you could get past that. I I believe, even though I probably was a little apprehensive about using the A word, amputation, uh, I did, I really struggled from that point that summer on till the amputation using the word amputation because it didn't seem real and it made it real. But I believe I I came in going, okay, so if this is what I'm doing, (laughs) what can you do for me now? And I think our plans changed. What, what do we... What do you remember changing now that now that this was the way we were going and there was nothing to be done to this leg? There, it was a waste of time now. What do we start doing? Because I know after years of crutches, walkers, being laid up, walking funny because one leg was shorter than the other, I had done some personal damage to my gait, my body. What did you do now to shift gears and mentally and physically here? Well, with you too, at that time, we were dealing with issues with the other knee um, as well. And it was because it was taking on the, the, the brunt of, of leaning toward that side more, um, having an uneven gait. So we were already naturally working on that side. Um, and normally what we'd be doing is, is working on strength for the, the other leg anyway, um, knowing that it was going to forever be be taking more strain. Um but with you, we were already working on it anyway because it was already breaking down. Thankfully, it uh, it reversed course and started uh, start working well with us. Because I remember you looked at me one day and said, "I'm not having this one operated on. I don't care what's wrong with it." <laughs> I was so afraid it was going to be the same story. Right, right. And so um, was my husband. <laughs> the other thing that 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 we start looking at is is looking at your individual situation. Um, like for you having stairs in your home or what other obstacles you're going to have to deal with in the future and say, well, we got to get you ready to tackle these obstacles. Um, whether it's, you know, getting close enough to the point talking about gate training or, um, you know, if it's working on different squatting type stuff or, um, you know, more use of arms. So we're doing more upper extremity exercises. Uh, those are the, the ways that we, start shifting our thinking at that point. I think that one thing I've noticed people reaching out to me, I see that there are people that 
um, are kind of, I would, I would say fortunate enough to know that this surgery is coming, um, and they can prepare. What kind of things would you suggest a, a person fortunate enough to know it's coming? What could they do to prepare or what things should they watch out for? There might be pitfalls, um, because they're obviously working with the same kind of situation. And I talk lower limb, right? Because our, mm-hmm. our legs supporting, our knee supporting the other leg that's not working well. Is there any anything that you could tell someone in such a short time, I know, but anything that would be strengthening for them or helping them to prepare for this? You know, I, I think each, each individual situation... Um is so specific that getting, I would say, even if it's just a consultation with a PT um, to talk through what obstacles you are going to have and to start brainstorming these things. And these are things that, that, you know, how we're taught to think we, we should have an answer for how we start preparing um, and what types of things, if it's only one or two appointments to help you, you know, brainstorm or get to know how, how you're going to maneuver different ways um, you know, or, or if it, if it gets more involved in that, like with, like with you, if we have to work on your, your opposite limb or whatnot, it's yeah. just making sure that you are ready to meet every challenge that, that it's going to entail. Cause there are a lot of challenges that, that you don't probably see coming, um, just cause you're not trained in this world. And so the, the things that we we are going to see ahead for you, knowing okay, this is going to mean Walker. This is going to mean, um, you know, whatever the next assisted device is going to be for you, based on what your individual uh, fitness level uh, and ability is. That's going to change for each person. So it's just so individual. I'm not sure I can give a blanket answer to say this is what anyone needs. Besides, get in front of a, a movement professional like a physical therapist who is going to be able to evaluate your individual situation. Say, here's what you need. Here's what you don't. Um, here are the things you need to consider um, based yeah. on being able to ask questions on your, about your, your living environment, you know, just like, mm-hmm. it's like, do you have stairs? Do you have a little threshold going into your house? What do you live with pets? Like what, tripping hazards around your house, you know, any, any amount of, of things that you can, um, that you can think about and ask about. Well, I think that's actually a, a more valuable answer to the question anyways because I mean of course with my situation it was very obvious what I needed to do but I I think that a lot of people don't realize that getting themselves into seeing someone that can kind of see where they're weak and where they might need to strengthen and where you know and and when I say that I even mean mentally um I know that you're trained for physical therapy but I told you after everything was said and done that you did more for me than just the physical aspect. One, you never gave up on me. And two, you believed I could do it. If I could, if I believed I could do it, then you kept believing you could do it. And so, and then, you know, I, I always talk about my faith and you knew my faith was strong that I knew there was, there had to have been a bigger plan. And if that's what it was, then I had to come to terms with that at some point in time. And there were struggles with that. But what do you say to the person like seeing different people? You see it all the time with patients that walk through your door. You probably see different emotional and attitude states from people coming in to get therapy. Mm -hmm. A, do you think that that plays a huge part in the healing process? 
And B, how do you handle those different tones of people coming in? That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, it's that is probably the hardest um, part of the job. You know, the the physical um, side of it, the physical abilities that someone has, that's one thing. That's a little more cut and dried that we can deal with. It is the attitude, the emotions that will make or break the person and make or break the situation. Um, and I've always said what, what makes, uh, I think, people being successful at life, but definitely in the medical profession, what, what makes uh, those who are successful versus not is the ones who can get inside the patient's head and figure out what their state is and how to alter it. And that's really tough. Um, how emotions and, and attitude factors in, it's everything. Um, I've seen, you know, back in in grad school, I can I can remember um, treating a couple of amputees then in, in a hospital or rehab hospital situate uh, um, setting, and a they just went through the traumatic event and they were on that side but they didn't have an attitude of these specific individuals didn't have an attitude of really wanted wanting to do anything um they didn't have a drive um and that was a different situation like with you who said hey i want to go play ice hockey <laughs> how, how, how can i do that now it's like whoa 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 we're like a couple months after what are you talking about and break a rib in the in the meantime yeah <laughs> if someone doesn't have the drive and the, and the the mentality to to get better i don't know if we can always provide that to people I, well i'm gonna say we can't provide that to people we can help figure out if there are any embers to that fire that we can stoke and get it to to a point where they can mentally um, wrap their uh, wrap their conscience around what's going to happen um, but if, if they don't have that and there's nothing for us to to prod on it becomes really difficult uh, and you see kind of sadder road coming for that person you know they have to have hope um i heard a great uh, a great quote that says you know no one can take your hope from you you have to surrender it so that's a that's a willing act that a person has to has to go under um and so when you get those people you can see that they have surrendered their hope that becomes tougher but when you, you see someone has that hope intact and they see the the optimism no matter how big or small it is for a better day coming, mm-hmm. they just don't know what it looks like yet. Then you have something to work with. For sure. And then anything's possible. Well, you know, I think that's a, a great way to bring all this to a head because one of the things I said in the end of uh, the first episode was, you know what, your attitude and your perception of your future, you hold in your hands. And if your attitude is dictating misery and frustration and doubt and worry and fear then that's what you're going to manifest in your life and there will not be that positive outcome and so i asked people to uh, their call to action was to let go of what they cannot control anymore and start finding those positives no matter how small they are how you know minute they might be in their life if you can start seeing some positives then you'll start manifesting those positives in your life 
So mm. I, I, I truly wholeheartedly agree that you, you can't get better with a bad attitude and, and it's, it, yeah, that you need that. It's, it's what comes from within that drives us forward. Mm. So I have to say, because of all the years and, and, and folks, I'm still seeing him for other issues <laughs> because I'm trying to live my life and falling and hurting myself. Um, Sean, it has been a complete honor having you, my PT for the last, I'd say four years. Um, the fact that you, um, you kept my hope alive. You, um, never gave up. Uh, you humored me when I asked a lot of technical questions which I didn't know the technical terms to but you never smiled or laughed about it <laughs> which I'm sure that drove you nuts because I'd be like so why is it doing that why is it doing that but people you need to ask you need to be with a medical professional that uh, shows that they are invested in you as a person as as uh, someone that they want to see being better um, and you'll know you'll know by the contact they have with you the eye contact the the way they handle themselves even after the I don't know how many times Brie came to me with, this is your 100th visit again. I mean, for the love of God, how many 100th visits did we celebrate? <laughs> uh, that's never a good thing. Some people have four weeks of PT. I have years. Okay. But I also want to um, to let, the, let everybody know that Sean is a part of an amazing, uh, lively podcast called Doc Doc Goose. Um, you got to listen. It is a couple doctors and a third guy <laughs> who discuss some medical issues and things. Um, they do it with a lot of humor and some really good advice and some guest speakers sprinkled in there, too. And uh, I really think you need to give them a shout out because I think uh, you'll learn something from them. But, uh, Sean, thank you for this time and thank you for uh, years of patience and uh, healing mentally and physically for me. Uh, Angie, it's been a a joy on this end of it to see what is has come out of it. You know, going back to attitude, there were dark days in there. Absolutely, um, there were some rough times. Um, I know I wrote you an email the night before your amputation, um, trying to uh, give you hope through it. I don't remember what I said in that email, but what I knew was that if anyone was going to come out on the other side successful and do things that they never would have done before, it was going to be you. Um, so I'm very proud to see all the stuff that, that you're doing now. Uh, I just knew in my head, especially thought through like advocacy and stuff, that that was going to be something yeah. that you were absolutely going to get involved in. So it was never yeah. a question in my mind that this isn't where we were going to be sitting at some point. I don't, don't think kid. I started the podcast yet, so I didn't think I'd no. actually be here interviewing you in a podcast no. um, type of situation. But, um, but, but that drive that you had, I knew this is is the type of place it's going to take you, and I'm proud to see it. I still have that email. I will never get rid of it. <laughs> I I remember sobbing when I read the email, and I wrote you back, and I sobbed while I wrote that back. Um, so, folks, you got to get yourself a Sean. <laughs> Um, it's it's worth it, um, and I I really hope you see the positive outcome of your never give up attitude that it had on me, because I always knew that I had a safe place when I came to your office, 
and um, I could ask anything. I could be who I needed to be at that moment, depending on where the emotion was. Um, and you did. You saw me through. Uh, uh, you know, wow, like that's big stuff. And uh, you helped me with much more than you probably will ever know. And that has gotten me onto this side where I can advocate for those that need to um, hear it. And I'm glad to see you doing the same thing on your podcast. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Palmer's side of my journey. And I hope you learned something about what you would need to do if you got into my position. Um, You need to fight for yourself. Like I've always said, you need to surround yourself with the right medical staff and those that are willing to invest in you. Also, don't forget, as Sean said and I've said, is attitude is everything. If you go into a physical therapy or a doctor's office with an attitude of, I can't get better or this isn't going to work, there's not going to be much that they can do physically if they can't break through the mental. So, like I said last week, our call to action was to take away the things that are causing you problems that you can't fix and start shifting the paradigm in your life, talking about what you can do, um, seeing the positive, seeing the upside, and start listing them. Even if they might be small silver linings, still list them and use them as a mantra. Use them to repeat to yourself a positive message to yourself every day that you will get better or that you can do something. But just remember baby steps. It's not all about the end result. What I have noticed with myself is that the journey has brought me great joy. The journey has allowed me to play and feel young. Um, So enjoy the journey. Uh, You're going to have your ups and downs. Everybody's journey is filled with that. It's what you do with it internally that shows how you project yourself into the world. And how you project yourself to your medical staff is how they'll be able to treat you. Call to action for this week. Be really cognizant of the people you're surrounding yourself with. Um, We're talking medical staff here today, but that's also your friends and the family. How are they supporting you? What are you projecting on them? But more more than anything, I want you to be thinking now, until next week at least, who is helping me get on the right path in the medical field? Do you ask them questions or do you just take their word for it? Do you do a little research on your own and bring it back to them so you can have a discussion or do you just sit back and be told? These are the types of behaviors that will let your care physician know what kind of person you are and how they'll be able to treat you because you're coming in like a warrior. And that's what I want for you. I want you to realize that each one of you has that warrior instinct within you, a fight for survival. Next week, join me. I have an amazing story to tell you, something that just happened to me this past weekend, and I cannot wait to open up and show you because I realized something about myself that it took a horse to discover this within me in mere moments of being around it. It's an amazing story. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.